politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our freedoms. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here in the house. It is Monday, the 18th of April. It's Easter Monday. It is also Passover, which is the holiday of freedom. And we're going to talk a lot about that F word that has kind of become like a four-letter word 250 years after our forefathers established that as the guiding principle of this country. It's it's eerie, you know. We're coming off of a very sleepy holiday weekend. Really the first one I've seen in a while in several years where the news cycle is slow, but nothing has changed. Basically, our contest here, the challenge of our generation is this. It was established two years ago that government and the masters of the universe at any moment could own our life, own our bodies, own our breathing, and there's nothing we can do about that. That needs to change. So I want to talk a little bit about the foundation of freedom today, why it's ebbed, and where we need to head. It should be noted that to this day, we still have criminalization of human breathing, so we are going to have a flight attendant on anonymously or somewhat anonymously uh, later on the show to discuss what's going on on the airplane front and the so-called mask mandate, which I prefer to call the criminalization of breathing, that degree of bondage that even King Pharaoh didn't do to the Jews back there over 3,000 years ago as those of us who are practicing Jews celebrate this week the holiday of freedom. We need our own holiday of freedom. And, you know, it all gets back to William Penn's comment during the Revolution. Those people who will not be ruled by God will be ruled by tyrants. It's no coincidence that precisely during this generation, with the ebbing influence of God in the lives of people in this country gave rise to this generation of Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, and the complete control of our bodies and our autonomy. So now, because of that, obviously we're suffering these crazy sudden deaths. I mean, if you notice, it's like every day, this guy died of a heart attack, this 25-year-old dropped. I hate to get morbid on you guys, but... Just understand that most people do not have enough life insurance coverage from their jobs. You need to supplement personally. That's why I recommend going to policygenius.com slash Daniel. One of our newer partners, Policy Genius, they're not an insurance company, but they do broker for you online. Uh, you could click online and immediately get an entire list of the really, really the cheapest, but also the best, most comprehensive coverage. So you type in how much coverage you need. Uh, they give you a personalized quote right away. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Um, what I did, what, what I liked about it is they didn't give you the runaround. It took me about five minutes to do it. And again, keep in mind, just because you have it from work, usually it's, you know, it's often 100,000 you'll get from work. Uh, if you have a bunch of kids like I do, you need a lot more than that. Most people need up to 10 times more 
to properly provide for their families. Uh, they don't add extra fees. Policy Genius doesn't sell your info to third parties, which is important. Since 2014, Policy Genius has helped over 30 million people shop for insurance. They've placed $120 billion in coverage. So head over to policygenius.com. That's one word, policygenius.com slash Daniel to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. So folks, Robert Winthrop... He was the former Speaker of the House, um, kind of the mid mid part of the 1800s. He once said, Men in a word must necessarily be controlled either by power within them or by a power without them, either by the word of God or by the strong arm of man, either by the Bible or by the bayonet. So what was established in this holiday of freedom, Passover, When God took the Jews out of Egypt, he established a principle in the world that no human being can rule over another human being, period. It wasn't just taking a nation, a chosen people. It was establishing that principle, but unfortunately, it wasn't actualized in practice in the world. You still had the divine right of kings for several thousand years, really until 1776. But... It was practiced for the for most of Jewish history in 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 the first Commonwealth there. Uh, even when they did have kings, most of them did not rule by the divine right of kings. They were more like spiritual leaders. Obviously, many of them in the Book of Kings went astray, led the nation astray, but they weren't like the kings of the other nations. And really, the prophets, as as you know, anyone who studies the Bible, rebuked the nation for seeking a king in the first place. God took you out to avoid that. It was a nation built upon self-rule. Moses was not a king. He was a spiritual leader. And then that led into Joshua, the book of Judges, and it was just that, a judge, a leader. And each person did what was... was, uh, viewed as just in their eyes during that era. Unfortunately, often they were led astray by idolatry because they didn't fulfill the commandment of God to vanquish the pagans around them. But at the end of the day, they were told that the God, that God himself should rule over them. That was the principle born out of the exodus from Egypt. This was embodied, I think, best in the, the, the leadership of Gideon in Judges uh, you know, chapter 7, 8. The men of Israel said to Gideon after he saved them from the persecution, Rule over us, both you and your son, also your son's son, for you have saved us from the hand of Midian. Remember that, again, it was still imbued in the people that they had to serve someone. People didn't know what to do with freedom. And he had that opportunity. He won spectacular victories. He saved them from from crushing persecution. And he turned to them and said, Judges 8.23, I shall not rule over you and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And, and, and this sort of leadership was not practiced 
again, really until George Washington, another man who had the opportunity to rule over people, but understood the need for self-governance. But he also understood that self-governance was only possible, like Robert Winthrop said, if you are controlled by a power within. Washington said in his farewell address, let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of peculiar structure, reason, and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principles. And it is clear that the regime of biomedical tyranny could not have risen in our parents' and grandparents' generations. This is from a couple of months ago. Axios, they talk about a survey that shows America's uh, um, Americans reported belonging to houses of worship was down to 47%. As recently as, 70, as 1999, it was 70%. And that number was pretty consistent for many years. The percentage of Americans who do not identify with any religion rose from 8% to 21%, almost threefold, in just 22 years. But here's the thing. It's a generational thing. You look at the younger people get, the more they're bought into the cult of COVID fascism, mask wearing, all these rituals. And of course, it works inversely with their religious beliefs. Among millennials and Generation Z, the drop-off is sharper. They're about 30 percentage points lower than, the, than Americans born before 1946 in terms of church membership. 30 points lower as opposed to baby boomers are just 8 points lower and Gen X is just 16 points lower. So it's always gone down, but that acceleration has gotten worse and worse and worse. So this is where we're at. We have a generation of people who don't know what freedom is. They value free stuff and free food and free you know, welfare more than freedom. This is the challenge of our generation. How do we get back that freedom? How do we get it back? Again, we watched, even among lifelong conservative Republicans, how they gave in to the gods of the cloth the gods of the needle so quickly, just as quickly as lifelong Democrats. So whereas among Democrats, it was 100% who bought into it, among Republicans, it was 60%, let's just say, who bought into it. And that leads us to where we are today. We still have an ambivalent conservative movement, an ambivalent right in America. You don't hear this full throttle offensive against masking two-year-olds on planes. You don't hear that. In fact, in Arkansas, I want to get into this, even in, in Bentonville, Arkansas, they still have mask mandates in some schools, and the courts are, put, are foisting it upon them. So you might think, oh, well, this is Schwab, this is Gates, this is the WHO. This is happening right here in the United States. Now, speaking of freedom, 
Most of you don't have freedom to run your business. Whether it's wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regs, HR could literally kill your business. HR salaries are really expensive, $70,000 a year. But if you give Bambi a try, they will create for you a tailor-made HR plan with a dedicated HR manager to craft your HR policy, maintain your compliance all for 99 bucks a month. That's 1200 a year, not $70,000. Um, they will help turn HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. So it's not like you call into a black hole and you'll get a different person each time. It'll be the same person available by phone, email, real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your own business. It's month-to-month, no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. So let's start today. Go to Bambi.com slash conservative right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash conservative. BAM to the B. B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash conservative. So here we are, supposedly one of the most conservative states. The Arkansas State Supreme Court ruled Thursday that the Bentonville School District can require students to wear masks. So it's not even just on airplanes. We still have in red states, there are some places where they're still masking them. Well, Daniel, the legislature tried. Yeah, but the courts are saying they have to do it. So even in the places where we got got a bill, the Supreme Court of Arkansas was like, yeah, you got to do it anyway. A locality has the right to do it. The school board created a policy in fall 2021 that required students from age 3 through grade 12 to wear masks while inside a school building or a school bus. Age 3, God have mercy. We have forgotten what it's like to, to, to be free. Um, you know, they, they have obviously some pseudoscience to say, oh, it works. And the Supreme Court sided with them. How does this happen in a red area? How do the parents not rebel? Again, the Supreme Court could could say, oh, the school district leadership has the right to somehow do it. Okay, but none of us are, are, are complying. Again, if it's a majority red area, how do they do that? But the court drew upon Jacobson. And trying trying to find a quote here. The court has also held, so the state Supreme Court is talking about the federal Supreme Court, that our government has a wide range of power for limiting parental freedom and authority in things affecting child welfare. In Prince, the court stated, acting to guard the general interest in youth's well-being, the state as parents petrie may restrict the parents' control by requiring school attendance, regulating or prohibiting the child's labor, and in many other ways, the court has repeatedly stressed that schools at times stand in local parentis in the place of parents. If you think we have freedom in this country, you're not paying attention. This is not, oh, you know, Shanghai might happen one day. It has already occurred. We have no freedom in this country. Even in a red state. You know, and then you have the, the federal court that required masks in Knoxville. And and like I asked someone, I don't get it. It's a conservative city. How are people listening to it? What a judge is gonna get off the bench and start arresting kids or something? 
And anyway, in order to do that, you need local law enforcement, which is not controlled by the federal judiciary. That's the state or local executive branch, which should be conservative. How does that get off the ground for a day? Yet this has been going on for over a year. So even those of us who claim to be for liberty and freedom, no, we're not. We're not willing to just simply say no. We're not doing this. That is the spirit of Passover, the holiday of freedom. You know, we would have thought this could never happen, but this is being plotted every day. Tedros Adonon Gebrisus, the director of the WHO, he just tweeted out a couple days ago, thank you, Bill Gates, for sending a copy of your new book. I fully agree that we must act on COVID-19's lessons and innovate so that we can deliver swift, equitable health solutions to prevent the next pandemic. That's his book on preventing the next pandemic. Who is this Bill Gates man? You know, I, I never even paid attention to him. I didn't realize that there's a paper trail of like 20 years of him sounding like a madman. This is from a couple years ago. Take a listen to this quote from Gates. You know, is there something to worry about with medicines? That is, might some of them have side effects? Do we need safety testing? I mean, and we're taking things that are, you know, genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. Okay, hear that? Genetically modified organisms, we shoot them right into these little kids' arms. It bothers me so much that I, that I missed this, that I never paid attention to this. In a similar vein, listen to Klaus Schwab. This was with Charlie Rose in 2015. It was a long time ago. And again, back then I would have laughed him off because, you know, well, who is he? But evidently, they were able to successfully plan this pandemic. And they succeeded in everything they did. So I'm going to take them seriously. Take a listen to this dude. The difference of this first uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you. If you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example, it's you who exactly. are changed. Yeah. And of yeah. course, this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Yeah. And offers certain kinds of possibilities that have to be careful about you know yeah. when you began to when you began to do that kind of gene editing some people worry that you are changing what it means to be human that's the problem and yeah. uh, it, uh, of course the new uh, industrial revolution offers us many opportunities okay he keeps talking about this fourth industrial revolution it doesn't change what you are doing it changes you genetic editing it's you who are changed. This is a degree of enslavement that is unparalleled. So we went from the Enlightenment to moving away from the divine right of kings, which again, that was really established 3,000 years before with the exodus from Egypt. And that was supposed to be the model of rulership in Israel. And... It was catalyzed with the Enlightenment, with the American Revolution. And then now we've reversed it to a point where it's not just that they could rule over your economy, freedom of speech, things like that. They could genetically modify your bodies. 
I mean, when you see all these stories now with kids getting hepatitis, these liver diseases, it's all over the place. Google it. In the U.S. and in the world, the media is reporting on it. They just don't trace back to you all the research on the clot shots and hepatitis C and liver damage and autoimmune. Remember, there's 280 ingredients in the shot. We're just beginning to understand what's in it. We only know a few of them. So we're going to do some more shows on this. We're going to have Dr. Bean on tomorrow. We were supposed to have him on last week, but he wasn't feeling well. So we'll have him on tomorrow. Let me know your questions for him. But folks, we are fighting just like the Jews were in Egypt, being whipped, building those pyramids. But it's worse because they didn't modify their bodies. This is from um, Dr. Katrina Lindley. She's one of the freedom doctors fighting this global pandemic treaty. This is not a joke. She writes, as the world is recovering from the long lockdowns and celebrating the dropping of the various mandates, the WHO has started drafting an international pandemic preparedness treaty. In March of 2021, 25 heads of the government and intentional and uh, international agencies called for a new treaty that would protect the world from future health crises. In their view, this is an opportunity for the world to come together as a global community for a peaceful cooperation that extends beyond the crisis. Just last December, the governing body of the WHO, the World Health Assembly, made an agreement to start the process of drafting and negotiating an instrument under the constitution of the WHO that would strengthen pandemic prevention. And basically, this means that that will trump our Constitution. In his speech just in January, a couple months ago, Dr. Tedros, who we just mentioned, he um, stated that one of the WHO priorities is to urgently strengthen the WHO as the leading and directing authority on global health. Quote, we can only prevent future pandemics with an integrated one health approach to public health, animal health, and the environment we share. What do you think that means? What's more alarming is the advancing of the timeline. In January of this year, USA delegation, WHO, submitted amendments to the to the IHR, that's the International Health Regulations, that will be voted on during the General Assembly in May 22nd to 28th of this year. If approved, these amendments would allow regional health ministers to declare public health emergencies of regional concern without the agreement of the country involved would also allow the director general powers to determine the criteria needed to basically create this threshold to trigger all the tyranny. Okay? So this is something we really need to get on. We need sanctuary resolutions in every county and state government right now that you can never rule over a human body. It pains me that I failed this session my constitutional amendment drive for state constitutions that would create a right to bodily autonomy. That you could never control someone's breathing, their mouth, their nose, and inject them with anything and deny equal access to public accommodations based on that. That, that, that should be our exodus. We have gone back over 3,000 years in enlightened thinking. Truly, truly disgusting. So that's the thing. As the week starts off very slowly, 
I want to make it very clear. Even if nothing new happens, we are in a world of hurt. You know, the VAR is reporting it's up to 1.22 million adverse events reported. Remember, there's an underreporting factor of 41. Almost 27,000 deaths. 220,000 serious injuries. This is really, really dangerous. And what have Republicans done? Well, speaking of freedom, I want to I get to that with one Republican governor that's going to shock you if you haven't seen this story yet. But um, first, I want to just have a word from our sponsor. You know, we don't have freedom anymore when it comes to our economy. Not just our body, but our economy. And again, that's going to leave, leave us in a world of hurt. But Birch Gold is the path to freedom while we still can. Inflation continues to skyrocket as the dollar becomes worth less every day. Transition some of your nest egg to something of worth with gold and silver from Birch Gold. That's right, folks. Birch Gold will help you convert an IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered account in gold and silver. Get started now. Text Daniel to 989898. With thousands of satisfied customers and A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, Birch Gold can help protect your savings. Text Daniel to 989898 to get a free info kit. No obligation on how to convert your 401k or IRA into gold. Don't just put it in the stock market casino. There's going to be major problems in the coming months with the stock market. Text Daniel to 989898 to protect your savings with gold. So I don't know if you guys saw this story, but Christy Nome evidently prevent, prevented um, these anti-mandate protesters from out of state. You know, so here they were coming to South Dakota to seek freedom. Remember, Christy invited people to come to South Dakota, just like Ron DeSantis did, and they prevented a, literally prevented a permit to allow them to protest. And now a federal judge is actually ironically rebuking Christy Nome. What is up with that? This is from National Review. Earlier this month, a federal judge ruled that South Dakota Governor Christy Nome violated the First Amendment rights of anti-vaccine mandate protesters back in November. Um, basically, in a 12-page opinion, Judge Roberto Lange the chief judge of the U.S. District Court for <clears throat> South Dakota ordered the state to pay the amount following the basically, uh, I forgot the amount, it's it's in there. What is it, like 13000 No, 37000 for the attorney fees. Um, members of Blue State Refugees, an organization made of out-of-state transplants to South Dakota from more heavily Democratic areas, attempted to get a permit to protest for more COVID-19 vaccine exemptions on state capital grounds. The Bureau of Administration tasked with issuing permits denied that permit request, citing Christmas decorating going on in the Capitol. There was just one problem. According to its own guidelines, the South Dakota state government could not restrict protests during the time period that the Blue State Refugees had applied for a permit. The state's guidelines specified that protest permits could be restricted due to Christmas decorating after Thanksgiving, um, an already constitutionally dubious measure, but they told people as early as late October that the Capitol grounds would be unavailable. Okay. So these are, can you imagine that? Blue state refugees coming, 
And then they find, you know, the governor refuses because she is so in bed with big business, refuses to sign a bill um, preventing uh, businesses from mandating death shots, kill shots. Uh, she also, you know, refused to get on board with prescribing ivermectin. Um, on top of paying the plaintiff's legal fees, South Dakota government was also required to change their guidelines, which they did. So this is a serious thing, folks. This is a serious thing. Why did she do that? This is South Dakota. So here they come for freedom and they can't find it. Where do we even go? I thought that was a very important and very revealing story about someone who was considered one of the freedom governors. Freedom governors. Well, so much for that. So much for freedom. Truly, truly unbelievable. We just don't value our freedom. Not one iota. Now, speaking of freedom, there's one other thing I wanted to get to before we uh, bring on our guest, and that is ethanol. The truth, the truth is we never had freedom. We allowed them to manipulate our economy, our food. One of the things I'm very concerned about is that alongside the medical freedom, medical tyranny is going to be the food tyranny. See, if they make it that food, houses, cars, uh, fuel, notice it's all those products are prohibitively costly, you don't have any freedom, and they know that. So when they jack up the price of these items and services and goods, it's not collateral damage, it's not a bug, it's a feature. That, that's what they're trying to do. So Biden announced that he's going to allow the sale of E15, E15 fuel, ethanol 15, meaning rather than the 10% blend, a 15% blend. You know what that's going to do? That's going to create an artificial demand for even more diluted fuel to be put in our engines so we, have, we get less gas mileage at a time that we need more and take even more than the existing 40% of corn grown and put in your engines. You know, you see inflation's 8%, 13%, but you try to buy chicken and meat, it's literally double. It's like a 100% increase. And that's because food is the beginning of the, uh, corn is the beginning of the food chain. And the cattle feed, saying a lot more important than just human consumption of, of corn, is the cost to cattle feed. That's 800-pound gorilla in the room. Corn is basically... If you look at the futures on corn, it's basically at record levels, higher than they were, or just about to be higher than they were in 2012. So now they want to put even more of that garbage in our engine. And Chuck Grassley, the conservative Republican from Iowa, was lobbying for this, and he praised Biden's decision. He's like, we should have the right to sell E15. Well, you know what? You could sell E99. You could sell whatever ethanol you want. But don't you dare force oil refiners to blend it in. Get your own and blend it and buy it yourself. But the entire people forget ethanol, not just with a mandate, but they were directly subsidized for 15 years, 13 years around then. They would have never gotten off the ground without that. 
So you could offer all you want, but take the stupid mandate away. We should be allowed to offer E0. Repeal the stinking mandate. It would save independent refiners, alleviate the artificial demand on corn prices, and land use, by the way. It benefits people like Bill Gates, who owns more farmland than anyone in America. That's all another story. And enjoy more miles per gallon of unadulterated fuel. This is one of the worst policies around. Truly unbelievable. And by the way, a lot of people don't realize the CAFE standards, you know, the whatever they call those things, corporate average fuel economy standards, they run head first into the ethanol mandates because the ethanol mandates make it that you have to blend 36 billion gallons of, of biofuels into the system. And obviously they can't because there's less demand because cars don't use as much fuel because of the stupid cafe standards. They did achieve that, but at a very painful cost because cars are per one mile per one mile per gallon tightening of the standard. It costs consumers $7.8 billion annually. So they're up to like, you know, 25 MPG. And now Biden's announcing he's going to make it 49, which is essentially an electric car. So essentially, no one will be able to afford a car cheaper than $50,000. A small car. And again, that's done by design. So the more they do that, the more you can't even meet the ethanol mandate. And then the refiners have to pay what's called RINs credits to offset the lack of, you know, like a, like it's almost like a fine for not blending such, such and such amount of biofuel garbage into the fuel uh, um, pool for that given year. So it's destroying blue-collar jobs, destroying oil refineries. Again, you could drill all you want, but you need refineries to refine the, the and, you know, make the fuel. We already have very few new refineries the last 50 years, 30 years especially, and now all the independent ones are going out of business because of the stupid ethanol mandate. Because we don't value freedom. This has been, again, like this whole thing of negative efficacy, right? Blocking what works and putting on us what doesn't work and is harmful to our bodies. It's really not unique. It's just more devastating because it directly kills people. But this is what government has been doing on every sphere of, of economy, food, fuel, everything. You can't make this stuff up. At a time of record high food and fuel and corn prices, you take even more corn and dump it in your engine. You know, And you know, what that, you know what's going to happen. They're going to incentivize all these uh, gas stations to sell more E15. It's going to, they have to retrofit it with more, you know, special pumps. And then it's going to destroy the engines of all the idiots that, that go and put it in their engine. And then they'll create some sort of tax funded program to deal with it. Typical cycle of government. And mind you, by the way, so basically they shut down Keystone, they shut down the interstate pipelines, they shut down rail transportation of liquefied natural gas. Again, we have more um, uh, uh, LNG than pretty much anyone on nation. We are the Saudi Arabia of LNG. But yet a lot of states can't even get it 
because they don't allow you to transport it through rail. They don't allow you to transport it through um, pipelines. It's not just Keystone uh, from Canada, but the but the gas pipelines, they've blocked that all. Yet when it comes to the gods of, of, of corn, the, the engine corn Nazis, they literally waived the Clean Air Act. That's what Biden did last week, or two weeks ago, waived the Clean Air Act, right? Because typically in the summer... Starting April, they didn't allow the sale of E15 because of the smog rules. It creates more smog. That's the thing. It's horrible for the environment. Ethanol is literally like the clot shot before the clot shot. It was the COVID shots of the economy. It was the worst policy you could ever conjure up, and it was done by design. So that is the state of freedom in America. But I want to get to our special guest today. So one of the worst manifestations of this biomedical tyranny that we've seen is obviously at airports and on airplanes. And this is really where our freedoms were taken away post 9-11. If you look at the origins of when we saw government dehumanizing us and starting to treat us as something less than human beings, it was at the airports. And obviously when COVID came, we had this satanic ritual of taking two-year-olds, people with disabilities, rape victims, nothing mattered, nothing mattered, and you couldn't fly. And look, you know, if you're the type of person that doesn't have to do it, it's not a big deal, but if you do have to fly very often, it's a very big deal. If you have family that's far away and you have a bunch of kids that you want to travel, you know, I haven't done this. Uh, I don't have too too much family far away, but my sister's moving to uh, seek freedom in Florida, and I want to visit her, her in the summer, and I figured, oh, wow, okay, by then, obviously, we won't have to deal with this, and my little baby is now two years old, still a total baby, and it hit me, oh, my gosh, she would be subject to this, but then there's also the element we forget, what about the airline crews? What about the flight attendants, the pilots? I mean, You know, most people now don't have to wear it at work. It's very rare. We talk, obviously, a lot about healthcare workers. But these people are doing it for hours. What about them? What about the airline CEOs? They did write a letter to Biden requesting him to get rid of it, and he said no and continued it for another two weeks, which means that they definitely plan on dragging this out for as long as possible. Is there any update on that front? Is there any hope? Is there any momentum? There also is a lot going on in the airlines now, as Dr. Corey mentioned on our Friday show. If you haven't heard it, it's Blockbuster. We did a full hour with Dr. Corey um, that he is hearing from a lot of people that there are have been several pilots that have had cardiac, cardiac arrest um, mid-flight, uh, just as we've seen in the military. We've seen that also in the civilian aviation world as well. So with us to discuss some of this and something exciting going on today a no mask mandate compliance day is Tiffany. Now we're going to keep her somewhat anonymous. She works for a major airline and is involved with US Freedom Flyers. Okay, so if you go to usfreedomflyers.org, you'll find they are working politically, legally, PR-wise to get the message out for aviation workers that they want this abuse to stop. Uh they don't like abusing uh you know uh, passengers and they don't like it themselves so let's get an insider's view of what is going on with the diaper mask mandate in aviation tiffany you're on the line 
Yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me, Daniel, and giving me the opportunity to share some insight of what it's like for aviation professionals since the mask mandate. Um, one, one thing that I want to stress more than, more than anything is safety, okay? We are safety professionals in the sky in for aviation we are safety professionals so since the mass day what has been done to your safety as passengers and also job duties as flight attendants pilots um when we mask i don't think a lot of people understand this we are masked sometimes 15 to 20 hours a day Okay, we are not a normal nine-to-five job. <laughs> we are in the airports um, 15 to 20-hour duty days. A lot of us commute in from other cities. We fly in. We still have to wear a mask. It's reducing our vision, okay? We need all five senses when we're on the plane, um, if you wear glasses, your glasses are fogged. It messes with your peripheral vision down the aisle when you have to look left and right for um, anything that looks inconspicuous. Also, your sense of smell is very important in the air. Um, we need to smell fumes, smoke, chemicals. Your, your sense of smell is impeded with the mask on for 15, 20 hours a day. Um, what if a rapid decompression happens, which is the aircraft takes a sudden dive and the real oxygen mass deploy? You have precious seconds, okay, before you're unconscious. During that chaos, are you going to have enough wherewithal to remove the existing mask that we've been forced to wear 15, 20 hours a day. And as a passenger, are you going to have enough composure within seconds to move your mask to don the mask that will actually save your life in a rapid decompression? Um, reduced oxygen that's causing hypoxia, health problems, blood acidity, Again, I just keep emphasizing cabin crew, we are masked 15 to 20 hours a day. Um, and of course, the bacteria, those things are nasty. We've never been properly trained on PPE, on how to don these masks, on how to properly dispose of these masks. And of course, the stress is chaos. It's like the wild, wild west in the sky. <laughs> Passengers understand that this isn't necessary and it's not a measure to keep you, quote unquote, safe. Passengers understand that and rightfully so, they challenge that. So the CDC, the Biden administration, made a sweeping mandate and it falls on cabin crew to enforce it. So uh, here's my question. I, we understand the legal mandate, but in reality, it's not like you guys are down on the ground with the government. Uh, when you're up in the air, it's the pilot and it's the flight crew and that's it. And what has shocked me, at least from what I've noticed, I don't travel that much and I try to avoid it now, obviously, is that for the most part, 
I, I thought you know most flight attendants would be like you. I mean, they could barely handle it themselves, much less try to harass other people. Mm-hmm. But it almost seems like a good number of them, if not an overwhelming majority of people mm-hmm. in your line of work, relish that power. They enjoy mm-hmm. harassing people. They they do it gratuitously in a way that even if you're worried about um, you know, the government, no one would know that that person you had to wake up and say your mask, you know, slipped below your nose and they do it anyway. It, it, so yeah. and A, what's your insight into the psychology of those people? And B, is that starting to change or is it just as bad as it was a year or two ago? Um, yeah, my psychology, um, the insight that I think I have with flight attendants who relish in the um, idea of enforcing something. To me, I think it's all about ego. Um, they get a power, they get a directive, and they get an ego trip out of enforcing these these rules. Um, I've had encounters with flight attendants where I completely felt uncomfortable being with them 40,000 feet in the air just because how they address passengers. And I do believe that it falls a lot on their ego. It is a power trip. Um, We have the power to remove passengers off the aircraft. Some flight attendants relish in that. They have a power trip from doing that, um, which is unfortunate. Now, I do feel a shift, though. It's definitely a shift in the aviation world, especially amongst flight attendants, because the all of the enforcement falls on us, falls on flight attendants. Um, by the time they reach the pilot who has direct control to remove passengers off the flight, they don't have to interact with passengers. So it's definitely a shift, I feel, towards... Um, just removing the ridiculous man mandate and especially enforcing it because no other business, no other company, no other organization has that. We're the only, we're the only one that's doing that. The only sector, the only industry that's doing this. So there's do you a, sense, there's a definition. do you sense a momentum change? And again, I haven't flown in a few months, but have, have they yeah. eased up on it? It's hit or miss, Daniel. I'm just going to tell you. It's hit or miss. It definitely depends on what crew you're flying with. Um, I know if you're on my flight, (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) harass you about (laughs) you're taking off a mask. I'm not going to read the ridiculous announcement saying replace your mask in between sips and bites because apparently the virus knows to pause when you're eating. I'm not going to do that. There's a lot of us that who are out there that are are like that and is shifting towards that way, especially with the extensions. At the 11th hour, our huge frustration collectively, I believe, even, even people, even flight attendants who, who's been what we call in the sky mask Nazis, excuse me if I offend anyone, but <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's like, you know, it's like a regime, but when the, we have a set date, April 18th to finally be done with the mask mandate and 
enforcing it and actually enjoy our jobs, getting into doing what we love to do. As soon as we get comfortable nestled into that, at the 11th hour, five days before it was set to expire, we get another two weeks. And Daniel, the irony of two weeks does not fall short on me. It was two weeks originally to flatten the curve. Mm. Now it's two more weeks. So, so let me extension. let me ask you this. Um, obviously, we're talking about freedom today and celebrating freedom and how to fight for it because mm-hmm. it doesn't persist on its own. One of the things mm-hmm. is at some point you got to say no. So, you know, what, what you contacted Absolutely. me today about um, U.S. Freedom Flyers has pushed starting today a precedent of just saying no, exactly that. Because I've been wondering, I said, look, of all sectors, this is the one area where the private sector really has a tremendous amount of sway over the government. Because, I mean, you know, there's a finite number of carriers, and if they all decide we ain't doing this, it's it's really hard for the government to just say we're going to have massive fines on everyone or ground flying. They're not, they, they really can't do that, especially with it being so unpopular. So, Describe this effort of no mass mandate compliance day and what you hope to accomplish with it. I hope to accomplish um, mass civil disobedience. Enough is enough. If if enough of aviation professionals, flight attendants, even passengers challenge the mandates by simply saying, no, I'm not complying. It's impeding in my work environment. It's impeding in my safety duties as an aviation professional. And I also want to focus and spotlight on all of the safety-related risks that we've been falling under the last two years. I, I don't think a lot of people know this. We've been... We've been compromising our safety procedural processes in the sky. We've been compromising that just because of this mask mandate. So I want to also highlight that as well. In addition to hopefully, hopefully rallying people for mass civil disobedience, because that's the only way that we're going to get our freedoms back. We have to take it back. The government has too much control as it is right now. No, they certainly they certainly do. Could you give us some examples of of where these safety shortcuts are taking place? Because I've certainly seen, you know, we have ADA compliance issues. You have people with disabilities and they will I mean, they, they will milk this to the gates of hell. You'll have someone who's on the verge of throwing up. And, yeah. you know, there's no leeway. So are you, are you seeing this among passengers? I see it amongst passengers. I see it amongst cabin crew, um, especially when the N95 masks were really popular. <laughs> um, passengers would don the N95 masks and would pretty much just pass out in the air because they were not getting enough oxygen. Um, flight attendants have separately done the uh, the test where they put the the uh, the the thing the little thing the clamp thing on their on their finger to test their blood oxygen levels and it was incredibly low. Um, 
there's been over 150 to 200 studies showing how masks are dangerous and ineffective. But I've seen it, I've seen it firsthand. There's been several incidents where I've had to inform passengers to take off that mask and let me supply you with oxygen because you can't breathe. Yeah. So you actually have to administer oxygen um, as part of first aid. And and yes. and I, I'll never forget the first time I heard, you know, if the plane's going down and the oxygen mask drops, I'll make sure to take off your first mask. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess because <laughs> without that, we, we wouldn't even know. Um, it, it is it is satanic. So to close up yeah. here, are you planning on doing this? Do you have friends doing this? Because somehow I'm not seeing this and I'm going to just tell you, Tiffany, straight out. It will not come from the passengers, and I can't really expect it because they mow them mm-hmm, down mm-hmm. one by one. It's a very highly pressured environment. There's no yeah, way. Yeah. I mean, they'll just get thrown off, and and it doesn't work in this context. Um, it's it's kind of a bed. It, it, it's 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 really a bed environment for civil disobedience from the passenger end, but from the crew end, yeah. I mean, there's a finite number of you guys, and you know, yeah. what are there typically? You have a pilot, co-pilot, and then what, three or four others on a domestic flight? Yes, yes, um, yes. So what we are doing is today, we are taking off our masks. Enough is enough. Our flight attendants who have rotations today, pilots who have trips today, um, we are unmasking per the April 18th deadline. So we do have a hashtag that if anyone wants to share this on Twitter, I understand that it's if you're a passenger, you you're, may not be able to participate, but please share our hashtag on Twitter. And it's hashtag no mask compliance April 18th. That's all one word. Hashtag no mask compliance, April 18th. All one word. Share that. Share that. Get the get the investors involved. Get the administration involved. Actually, is it really a law? That's the number one. That's another question as well. You know, they, they slip a lot of stuff in without even um, giving you the reasons you know they don't tell you anything nope. they just give it's certainly blanket, not a law it's and blanket it, mandate it's not a law it's not a law it's a it's against our constitutional law it's a violation of the administrative procedures act and it's a violation of ada in, in in so many ways so yes. that's that's yes. the story so you you guys can find out more at usfreedomflyers.org tiffany keep us updated on what is going on. I really appreciate you giving us this briefing today. I wish you good luck on it. And make sure you you get as many brave uh, partners on this and, and just take the damn thing off. Yes. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Daniel, for having me. Take care. God bless. So again, that was Tiffany of usfreedomflyers.org. Uh, I cannot disclose her full name or airline she works for, for obvious reasons. But look, you know, the airline CEOs could end this tomorrow. What's government going to do if they all got together and all actually put their money where their mouth was? If they believe in the letter they sent, they could they could end this tomorrow. Um, so we'll see. I wish them good luck. I, I always never want to miss an opportunity to promote a righteous effort. So 
you know, kudos to these people for doing it. We'll see how many follow it, and we'll see if we hear any stories. I'll report back to you tomorrow um, if I hear more from Tiffany and some of the other uh, flight attendants and pilots that email the show. I, I did want to note that as we were recording today, U.S. Freedom Flyers put out a press release. On April 9th, 2022, American Airlines Captain Robert Snow experienced a severe post-vaccination cardiac arrest inside the cockpit on uh, an Airbus 321 carrying nearly 200 souls. The event took place at the gate six minutes after landing. The near miss is a direct result of the FAA overlooking their own safety regulations for brazenly political purposes relating to the dangerous COVID-19 vaccine mandate policies. So they talk about that, and that's, again... You know, this is happening a lot. And, um, you know, we talk about the laws. They're actually violating the laws, literally. You're not allowed to get an experimental uh, thing within within a year of flying. Um, you know, th- there's no testing. There's no D-dimer test. There's no MRIs. There's no, you know, certification of clean EKGs before getting this. There's no way this isn't happening more often because I know secondhand this is directly happening in the military. So it's also for sure happening with the civilians. And that's where we are. It's going to take our own people standing up and saying no. The bottom line is freedom doesn't come freely. You're going to have to fight for it in some way. All these people are like, well, let's just wait out the government until, until uh, you know, it goes down. They, they're never going to give you your freedom back. And alleviating some of the initial tyrannical mandates while, by the way, intensifying others is not getting your freedom back. That's because they strategically sense that an election is coming, so they want to alleviate the ones that they're going to do. They're not giving you your freedom back. That is by their choice, and they will intensify them. Hence, even those few things that they did give up, you see as the cases go up, and whatever cases even mean nowadays with these phony tests, which, by the way, increasingly these tests are causing injuries to people, um, you know, they're going to bring back all these things. And they never fully got rid of them. So this is going to be very telling whether an industry will finally, finally fight back. But, you know, again, that was an interesting uh, perspective. We obviously know it from the passenger side that we're all ticked off about it, but imagine being one of these people um, having to go for two straight years. Your entire life is in a mask. It's pretty unbelievable. Um, Before we sew up today, I just wanted to highlight an amazing article at Children's Health Defense, that's RFK's group, by Dr... Madhava Seti, S-E-T-T-Y, six double standards public health health officials used to justify COVID vaccines. Very well done piece. COVID deaths are presumed, but vaccine deaths must be proven, right? He goes through that, how he, you know, that we noticed very very early on, that double standard. Number two, CDC uses VAERS data to investigate myocarditis, yet claims VAERS data on vaccine deaths is unreliable. Three, CDC pushes relative risk for determining vaccine efficacy, but uses absolute risk to downplay the risk of adverse events. So they'll be like, oh, it's just one in a trillion, you know. But then that's the same number of lives saved from a vaccine, even assuming it works, which it doesn't. 
Four, FDA requires randomized controlled studies for early treatment medications, but not for boosters. That we've certainly seen, and we've also seen it for, you know, um, remdesivir, Paxlovid, Molnupiravir. Uh, FDA, five, FDA uses immunobridging to justify Pfizer shots for young kids, but rejects antibodies as indicative of immune protection for COVID. That's a really good point. So we talked about this last week. Even with their manipulative data, even with everything, the the relative risk reduction, there's nothing they could do to show any benefit for giving the shots to kids. And that's even lying about the adverse events. Because even if there's zero adverse events, but there's also zero benefit to the shots. They literally can't find it. So they've come up with this new thing of just arbitrarily looking at, oh, but but there's there's antibody titers. But then they won't allow antibody titers to show you're immune from the infection. Um, and then number six, causation must be proven for vaccine injuries, but correlation suffices for proving vaccine efficacy. Um, again, those are the six things, and it's nothing that you guys don't know, but it's really good details. So if it's something you guys want to pass around, it's a very good article. It's great information, one really blowing this up. Six double standards public health officials use to justify COVID vaccines. Dr. Madhava Seti, Children's Health Defense. Kudos for putting that together. Um, kind of collating a lot of the points we've made for the last year or so all in one article. Very well done. We are out of time, but folks, send this show to everyone. Knowledge is power. We need to project our own power because we need to take back our own freedoms. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.